every time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. This is what it is. If you don't like it, screw you, but this is what it is. <laughs> Getting feedback from someone, choosing not to take it personally, is actually very freeing. Mm -hmm. And I find for me that I do the worst when I'm trying to give somebody what they want. It's like the modern version of the, the two people inside of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing, we want different voices, we want different races, we want more female voices. I think it's a beautiful thing and I'm actually just super excited to be part of the world of voiceover today. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. We lie on the floor flopping around like a, like a fish for 45 minutes. We work in isolation booths. So if we, want, if we don't want to be isolated, we should leave those booths. Never think, uh, I hope he asks me to be, I hope he pitches me to whoever they really, like if you think that way, then they're mm -hmm. not really your friends or peers and you're just trying to use yeah. people. Yeah. She pilots my meat suit. I've only heard really bad things about Jamie. Right. Well, yeah, that know, makes sense. That makes sense. You gotta watch the bridge, though. <laughs> Instead of trying to figure out how to get into it, I just brought a bunch of people together that none of us knew the industry. Stop wiping expectations on any audition. It's never give up and be the most persistent person in the room. It's always those that are the last ones standing. You're going to get a lot more no's than you get yeses, and I, that's true for me today. Hello, hello. Welcome to the VO School podcast. Today, we are talking about the most important aspect of recording your voice, the space that you record in. That's aside from the performance, of course, but from a technical standpoint, the space you're recording in is by far the most important factor to getting a great sound. So we are joined by Tim Tippetts and Emmett Andrews. They've both been on the podcast before, separately and together, and they're two fantastically knowledgeable chaps. And we have a good old geek out about audio. And we go into a fair amount of detail, but it's not too in-depth, hopefully not too alienating. I will just say, follow us on social media, VO School Podcast on all the platforms, and keep an eye out for a little announcement that I'm going to be making shortly. I'm not going to reveal all the details right now, but if you're just starting out in voiceover, this should be quite interesting for you if you want to learn about the industry in more depth and one-to-one. -one. I'll say no more about that, <laughs> but keep an eye out, keep an ear out. Uh, for announcements over the next week or so. And yes, let's not wait around any longer. Let's have a couple of quick ads and then we're going to get to our interview with Tim and Emmett. As a voice actor in 2019, you're more than just an actor. You are a business. The first ever conference for the business of voiceover is coming to New York City, September 13th through 15th. Amazing speakers, panels, and classes all in the greatest city in the world. Vocation NYC. Ticket sales start April 1st. Be one of the first 100 to register and get a special early bird conference rate. For more information, visit vocationconference.com. Vocation NYC. Take your VO business to the next level. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. 
Connect your studio to the world with IPDTL. IPDTL is a cost-effective alternative to ISDN without the need for hardware or line rental. Connect, mix, and record up to four locations at the same time, including phone patch, right from your computer. You don't need additional software as IPDTL runs in your browser, and you can even get your own ISDN number. Try a day pass for just $15 or subscribe monthly or yearly. So for directed sessions, interviews, and of course, podcasts, choose IPDTL. Okay, so today we are talking about the studio space that you're recording in and acoustics. And I'm joined by two people who know everything about all of that. It is Tim Tippetts and Emmett Andrews. So thank you both of you for coming along. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having us. All right. So first off, um, I think it's fair to say that uh, the environment that in which you record is pretty important. So let's define that importance. Um, Emmett, how would you define how important the recording environment is? Kind of my go-to saying is I will take a $200,000, sorry, a $200 mic in a $5,000 space over a $5,000 mic in a $200 space any day of the week. And yeah. You know, any kind of decent mic in a really good space is going to make a really good recording. And uh, any really good mic in a mediocre or bad space is going to make a great recording of a terrible sound. Yeah. Great way to sum it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tim, you agree, I assume? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I'm, I'm voicing today uh, from my control room, actually, mm. um, because, you know, I want to... Um, be able to play this back against the uh, booth podcast actually and uh, kind of take some snippets from it um, and to give you an example of what I mean when I pull my mic away you can hear a lot more in my room now right yeah uh, versus me getting up on the mic like this so which is a, another discussion but I do have panels in this room and I voiced plenty of of uh, spots I, I voiced the Volvo spot not too long ago right from here and it was fine mm. but I'm on a 416 I have panels everywhere um and so you know it's acceptable um but back to what emmett was saying you know what I, this this 416 it's a thousand dollar mic if i didn't have these panels on the on the walls it really wouldn't matter um it really is whether it's your car which plenty of people people have voiced in whether it's a uh, joe cipriano's you know tent uh, ironing board tent that he likes to put together right. in hotel rooms. Um, or even the car. I've voiced from the car before. Yeah. You know, you can figure out ways to get it done. There are lots of ways to skin this cat. And uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Definitely. I think, I think it's, uh, people are aware of this, but until you actually experience it yourself in your own space, treating your space and working it, to make it sound as good as it can sound, then you truly realize that switching out mics, switching out preamps makes a little bit of a difference, but working on your environment makes a huge audible difference to uh, the quality of your recordings uh, well, voiceover. Yeah, and that's and that's a really big problem is that this idea that, hey, it sounds good to me, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. w what do you have to compare it to? Yeah. Um, so I'll have people come to me and then, you know, I'll, I'll EQ out some of the boxiness or I'll help them get their, their space together acoustically. And then, uh, you know, they hear that back to back. Um, and you know, they're like, wow, I had no idea. Right. Yeah. So yeah, they do know about the stuff, but I've had so many people just be really shocked by 
just by hanging up a couple of sound blankets, how much different it sounds. I have a client right now, Dan Morrow, great guy, total go-getter. And he's got a, a professional booth, um, which will go unnamed, but they sell this acoustic kit that's kind of got these little channels in it and you put foam inside of it. Yeah. And he sent me a sample and I said, well, look, man, I can hear the room. It's booming. Um, it's boxy. And here's what I'm going to rec recommend you do. So he got the uh, the blankets and we hung those up and the AB on that, the before and after is just insanely different. Yeah. You know, and to him, you know, I'm, I'm sure it sounded fine. I mean, it, he's, he's one of my students in my course. So he eventually realized, Hey, wait a second, I better reach out yeah. and make sure. And sure enough. Right. Yeah. He was in a position with a $7,000 booth and I don't know how much the acoustic package costs, but he's on a four sixteen, uh, the Apollo, the whole nine yards. And it just sounded you know, the acoustics just weren't there. So again, back to Emmett's point. It's, yeah. it's kind of yeah. cool because you can, uh, you can, you can invest in your mic preamp converters all at the same time by just investing in the space. It, it, <laughs> it really is a step up for the performance of all of those things. So if you want to improve your whole studio in one, one swipe, look at the acoustics and it'll, you'll probably spend less than you will on upgrading any of those other things. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about not necessarily spending a fortune to work on your space in a little while, actually. And we're also going to talk about booths some more as well, because I have I have feelings on booths. <laughs> I have opinions <laughs> that I'd like to talk about. I'd like to air these. Um, so let's kick off uh, the technical stuff and talk about the difference between acoustic treatment and isolation. A lot of people get confused between those two things. So Let's define the difference. Who wants to uh, who wants to talk about that? I'll jump in, Emmett, if that's okay with you. Go for um, it. Because one of the things that I do is I, I consult worldwide to to build custom booths, and I just want to let everyone out there know that I haven't heard a modular uh, booth, a modular booth that um, that sounds as good as a properly built custom booth. That's number mm -hmm. one. I've yet to hear that. As far as um, I, I usually call it sound mitigation. How did you refer to it? Isolation. Yeah. Okay. Mm. There are people out there on the web. Um, one that I saw recently who likened green glue to construction adhesive, uh, way off base. Yeah. And had a ton of people telling him that he's a genius. Um, <laughs> but the reality is when this is properly applied, green glue and other methods, um, and you build your own booth, it far out exceeds uh, anything that you're going to get out of a single, double, or triple-walled booth. It's just the reality of it. And I know this because I've dealt with it, I don't know how many hundreds of times at this point, but a lot. Hmm. And so isolation is completely different um, from acoustics because isolation is just about keeping noise from coming in. And in some cases, uh, keeping noise from going out. Right? Yeah. So especially true for musicians, um, drummers, guitarists, etc. People who die a lot in video games. Yeah, right. Yeah, people with dialogue in video games, absolutely. And animation, for that yeah. matter. Um, but really what we're concerned about is noise coming in. And so that isolation is really all about what your booth is constructed of. And what that comes down to is the environment around you. So you could be in a very rural area, but have five kids running around and it wouldn't do you a bit of good, mm -hmm. right? No cars, no planes, none of that. Um, then again, you know, you're in a very remote area, you're retired and you don't have any, you know, anybody or anything around causing noise, then a single wall booth is probably a great choice for you. 
Yeah. Right? Uh, if you're living in the city, sometimes even a double wall booth won't get it done for you. And so you have to take extra measures to make sure that you don't have sound getting into your booth. Um, and so in, in other words, it's all relative. But the point is, is that there are lots of things that you can do. Like I said earlier, a lot of ways to skin this cat. And so isolation is one of those things where uh, it depends on where you are and what your need is. Uh, but mm -hmm. the bottom line is, if you don't have a, nice, a good noise floor, and for those who don't understand what that means, that's the lowest um, sound that you have in your booth. So whether that's the actual sound of your mic or a fan running or whatever, it's the lowest that your meter is at any given point in time. And uh, the quieter you can get your space, the better. Right? So that's what isolation is all about, is just keeping sound from getting inside the booth and or taking things that are making noise, like if you have a computer with a fan, and getting that out of the booth. Yeah. Right? So I would include that in the isolation conversation. So anyway, that's what I have to say about that. Emmett, you want to take the acoustics part of it? So isolation is about keeping the, the noise as low as possible, um, but really does nothing for the tone of the room, how the room sounds inside. And that's where we get into the, uh, the absorption, the acoustic treatment absorption primarily is what we're going to use in, in voiceover settings. And that's, that keeps the sound from bouncing around the room and sounding like you're in an echo chamber. Um, because you can have a well-isolated space that still doesn't sound good inside. And I would say that's true of, uh, of every modular booth ever made. They, they don't inherently sound good inside. They sound like coffins. Yeah. And so you have to put some treatment in there to, to cool that down. And that's true of any space, whether it's a, a bedroom or a walk-in closet, the, you got to do some control. Um, for instance, I, I'm really, really fortunate where I live. I'm, I'm standing in, in what I refer to as my booth right now, but it's really not a booth. It's, uh, it's, I'm surrounded by clear sonic panels on all sides, which don't really provide any, uh, any isolation at all. My isolation comes from the fact that I'm in a hundred and something year old building and I have two feet thick concrete above, uh, above and below me and no neighbors on any side of me. So wow. this it's, it's built into a bedroom. The bedroom just happens to be really, really quiet. Even though I'm in, I'm in an urban environment. If I walk outside on my balcony right now, it's, it's, so noisy, you almost have to yell to the person next to you because of industrial fans and traffic going by and stuff like that. Um, but this particular room is really well isolated from that. So I haven't had to do anything for additional isolation, but with no treatment in here, it truly sounds like a cave. Uh, the ceilings in here, I think, are about 11 feet. And, uh, and they're they're hall they're hard like I said it's it's cement above and below and it just sounds like uh, like you've walked into a cave and so uh, what I had to do was essentially isolate the mics from the rest of the room not in a, a sense of noise but in a sense of keeping that sound from bouncing off all of those hard surfaces right. and outside this area I've got acoustic panels as well to make it a little easier to monitor, but it's still pretty live out there. I still couldn't voice anything out there. So how, how customized is it to the individual voice? Will it work? Will all the treatment for you work for anyone else that comes into your booth, Emmett? Or, or have you really zeroed in on exactly what you need to do to make that room sound good for you? I, I would say that it, it, 
that this setup in this room will work for pretty much anyone. I uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't had any females in here to to voice anything, but uh, uh, I I have had a, a very deep voice male, much more so than I come in here and voice things, and and he sounded great. And uh, part of the reason I had him come in here um, versus using my my work studio, which is across the street and actually is a a purpose built room is because this room is more dead. It's uh, It's got less reflections in here. It's less open sounding. And the sound we wanted for this particular thing was almost the sound of being in a vacuum. And this was right. the way we did it. He sounded great in this room. Cool. So, so can you tell me a little bit about your room and how it is that you managed to um, get a boomer in there without having that boom in the box? How large is the space? What are the dimensions? And what do you have on the walls in there? Uh, so on the walls, I've got uh, I've got panels from GIK Acoustics primarily. Um, I do have some some uh, some foamy stuff that's kind of up higher, but uh, at at normal working height, everything is from GIK. I've got a few bass traps and then some normal broadband panels. Uh, but the uh, the clear sonic is really the more important part. Um, and I, I don't know, are you familiar with the clear sonic panels, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so they're the the sorber panels. They're six feet tall and wrap all the way around me. And then I've got a, a ceiling on it, and I don't have any of their their plexiglass type stuff. It's all absorbent, and um, and that's enough to just partition me off from the room, so I don't get anything back from the room. Um, but in the room itself, it doesn't work nearly as well. Um, mm. I've I've tried to voice out in the room, and it. It doesn't work. It's good enough for monitoring. It's it's a good place to listen. But if I voice out there, you'll hear the reflections. Right. Um, but you know, even even having the uh, the guy with the big booming voice in here, um, it was the same thing. I, even when I shout in here, I don't I don't get any feedback from the room. Um, if I switch over to my Neumann and really let it go, I'll I'll hear a little bit in the background, but it's it's almost not noticeable. Yeah, yeah, we should probably talk about that a little bit because if you're pulling in the Neumann, are you talking about the one the TLM one oh three? I am. Okay. And you also use the four sixteen combo uh as well, right? Right. That's what I'm on right now. Yeah, so and so am I. And I would never think of dragging my one oh three, which I've done past podcasts with you guys uh before inside my booth. Mm-hmm. Because taking something like a one oh three in a room like this is a super, super bad idea. Um, because its pickup pattern is just much wider and the 416 has a much narrower path. Uh, for those who don't know, if you've seen the mics, uh, that these guys hold over talk show hosts and, and, um, on set for movies, et cetera, this is usually the mic that they use or something like it. It's called the shotgun mic. And, uh, it does really, a really good job at rejecting, uh, things that we don't want to go into the mic and reflections is one of those things. So. I'm in my control room right now, um, and if I were on the 103, you would be hearing a lot more of the room is the point. Um, but mm-hmm. I also, you you touched on something there that I wanted to talk about. The um, I just wanted to figure out what the dimensions of your room were, though, real quick. Did you mention that already? or I didn't. Let me, uh, let me go back to that and uh, be aware this is a, a sort of a rough estimate, but it's, yeah. it's in the ballpark. Uh, ceilings are between 10 and 11 feet. Um, the uh, width of the room is uh, it's about 14 feet, and uh, the 
length of the room then front to back is uh, 11, 11 and a half maybe. Okay, so we don't really have an equidistant thing going on. Um, Not at all. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to get into is to let people know that um, when you have equidistant measurements, uh, like let's say you have a four by four booth with an, with an eight foot ceiling, that's going to cause a lot of issues, especially for someone who's got a lot of energy in their voice, uh, especially in the low frequency range. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, I've worked with plenty of people who have bought a four by four. And then we've thrown um, the acoustic panels in there and, and got them positioned correctly on mic and everything's fine. But this is one of those things where people um, don't understand the properties of sound and, and what happens when you have equidistant measurements like that and it creating standing waves. Uh, and then mm. usually in the form of this kind of wolfing or boom in the box, which is just kind of this woo, 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 woo thing that hangs out, right? So dimensions matter so you would rather have a four by uh, a three by five or a four by seven space to voice in if possible but what's really important is this the closer you get those walls to you the boxier it's going to sound because you're voicing in a box when you think about it mm. now the reason Emmett can sound as good as he does right now in a very large space is because and i know Emmett. he's <laughs> he's like mega genius level dude with <laughs> yes. this stuff so i know he's placed his acoustic panels at reflection points and he's done all the math and so he can voice in this massive space and sound good um but without that treatment as he said earlier it sounds like a cave right um so you can voice in a large space i mean i'm in my i'm in my control room right now it's not this i'm in my home control room and it's uh i don't know eight by ten so it's, it's not massive but uh you know, you can get away with it is the point if you understand acoustics and you understand the placement and all that and all that good stuff. Um, but the more you and, I, and I've seen this where people take small closets that, you know, two feet wide, you're, you're Hollywood special, right? Your typical Hollywood apartment mm. uh, from the 60s. So it's two feet wide. I know some of you are laughing out there in L.A. right now because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so it's like two, two to two and a half feet wide and, and, or uh, deep and six feet wide. Uh, but I've had clients out there where we've put, again, moving blankets in there and made it workable. Yeah. Right? So you go from absolute boxy, boomy, just everything that you don't want. Uh, and then with just a little bit of science and a little bit of know-how and, uh, and a little bit of elbow grease, uh, go from zero to hero with a very affordable and uh, simple approach. And by the way, guys, uh, a lot of this stuff is a lot simpler uh, than people might make it out to be. Um, the problem is we have so much information out there online. Everyone has an opinion on this stuff, right? Yeah. So what's really important is listen to the people who are talking to you, listen to their acoustics, listen to where Emmett is voicing right now. He's in a massive room. He just told you the dimensions mm. and he's on a 416 and it does not sound like an echo chamber. It does not sound boxy to me at all. We have a very high quality connection right now. And, uh, so if you know what you're doing and, uh, like I said, a little bit, a little bit of elbow grease and get to work and, and you're good to go. And so it's fair to say that the room treatment is exactly what we've just said. You can experiment with it. You can, ideally you're in a space where the walls and the ceilings are different distances from each other and it, you're not recording in a, in a cube. <laughs> um, but where you would struggle, where you would have to spend money, where you would actually have to do construction is if you were trying to isolate yourself from outside noise. I know we've sort of touched on this at the beginning, but that's the headache for people. 
you can pretty much take within reason any space and make it work adequately acoustically but that's not the case for isolation right that that's a whole different ball game well it depends mm -hmm. so when i built my larger studio we actually have uh, on the vo tech guru page on facebook you can go and look at the videos and see the test where we put up a wall plug uh so uh, and then tested that with green glue and some roxel insulation and some framing then built the room within the room and each time we made a step we did a test with the tlm 103 mm -hmm. from neumann which is a very sensitive mic so i set that six feet away from his f-150 we started with just the window, had him blow the horn, uh, and I show that in the video. Then the wall plug had him blow the horn, show that in the video. Then with just the very first wall, before we even started building the room within the room, uh, we got down to like, I don't even remember what it was on the meter, but it was ridiculous. And then once we built the room, I'm on the phone with him and I'm saying, dude, honk the horn already. And he's like, I am honking the horn. <laughs> <laughs> and now understand he's six feet away from my microphone what if he revved his engine though <laughs> yeah well the thing is is we had a cabinet shop right across the alley we have a fire department right up the street yeah. and we have a foundry literally right behind us and a warehouse uh kitty corner caddy corner depending on where you come from in the world uh a lot of noise and forklifts right behind our building all the time so i can tell you that if you understand the science uh, people say mass is the answer. Um, yeah, it can be the answer depending on your situation. But what you're really trying to do here is you're trying to, is you're trying to create one giant catcher's mitt. Okay. That at the end of the day, sound is energy in the form of vibration. If you can keep that vibration from coming into the space, then the sound won't come in and the technology is there. The applications are there. Decoupling, mechanical decoupling, um, it, you know, special insulative products that we have now, uh, all, all sorts of things that you can use to keep this stuff from coming in. So the answer is science uh, and some really, really cool, modern, uh, advanced techniques and products along with mass. Mm -hmm. That is the best answer Yeah, uh, that, that I found. So yeah, you can do it. It's just do you have the room? Do you have the resources? Do you have anyone handy in your life like a carpenter? Because a carpenter could cover just about everything you need to do in the type of booth I'm talking about. Right. All right. But to get back to what you said, in most cases, that's not the scenario. So people are like, well, what am I going to do? And that's probably a conversation we should have is about all the different scenarios. Oh, I've got, I've um, got a few lined up. You're right, one roll. step ahead of me then, Tim. Roll, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I want to just quite, quickly cover what you were talking about there actually real quick you were talking about uh let's talk about the difference between a freestanding booth and a built-in studio room to record in mm -hmm. they're two very different things uh so why don't you talk about why they're so different and you know the benefits and drawbacks sure i'll roll through that really quick um so with a modular booth whether it's uh i won't tell you what i'm not going to throw out any any names here I'm just going to talk about the construction. So uh, aside from, from one vendor, typically your booths are made out of this product called MDF. That's what the walls are made out of. Mm. And then uh, they have an insulative layer that's fairly thin. And then they have kind of a felt, a thick felt cover over it. And then they have an air gap. And then on the other side, uh, they have the same thing going on in a double wall system. Okay. 
in a single wall system, it's essentially just that MDF with that fabric and, and isolator fabric, whatever it's called. It's very thin is the point yeah. on both sides. And MDF is, is, uh, stands for medium density fiberboard. Uh, it's, it's very stable and it's very heavy and, uh, it does, as far as mass goes, it's great. Um, but the reality is, is that that surface acts as a giant diaphragm, right? So when you, when you have this energy of low frequencies hits that surface, it acts like a diaphragm moving back and forth guys. Uh, we're talking about kind of like the same technology, uh, behind, uh, mics which Emmett, you're going to get into here in a second. I know, <laughs> I know what you're going to talk about. Um, but essentially that, that, uh, energy can travel through to that other side. Now in a double wall system, it hits that first surface, but then it has this air gap that it has to travel through. And then it has to hit that next surface in order to get into the booth. And so that's would be why it would be more effective, but these are modular systems they're fairly airtight, um, and some of them have ventilation systems, which, by the way, for anyone listening, if you're voicing, turn the ventilation system off, mm. and then uh, when you're not voicing, turn it back on. And by the way, no one's going to suffocate in a booth. That's another thing that people are concerned about. I've had four-hour sessions in my booth right next to me, which has zero van- uh, ventilation. I use a fan that I turn on in there, four-hour sessions without passing out. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, that, hopefully that's the end of that rumor. Uh, You're just sat there <laughs> anyway. in your underpants because it's 900 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mute my mic and turn the fan on. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, open the door every about. three yeah, hours. Right. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, guys, yeah, that's true. You open the door every once in a while and it cools it off. Right. Um, but so that's basically what your, your typical modular, uh, you know, the big names, we all know who they are. um, who sell these products and, uh, in certain situations they work in and others, not so much depending on your situation and what kind of booth you have. So now the second one, uh, typically consists of mechanical decoupling, uh, from the house. So what that means is if you were to put a floor, start building the floor, your bottom two by four or whatever you're using would be decoupled from, let's say it's in the basement and it's concrete just so we can have the conversation. Um, every, every point where you would nail it into the concrete or screw it down into the concrete, taking these little mats that you buy, you know, the puzzle piece mats that you buy from Home Depot, cutting those up and putting them under those points. Um, you now, the only thing that is really truly, uh, solidly in contact with the structure is the nail or the screw that's penetrating the bottom plate. Okay. Mm. And then you would attach, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but you would put what's called Roxel insulation in the, in the walls. And this is discounting any electrical you might be doing. We won't have that conversation because it doesn't matter. But the Roxel insula- uh, insulation is made out of, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy combination of, uh, of metal and rock, basalt rock, right? And it's a mesh type of um, material that does a really good job of making sound uh, take the long route to get through it, for lack of a better way to put it. Mm. And it's really not very thick. It's uh, three, you know, three and a half inches thick, but you put that in between your studs and then you put one layer of drywall in. None of the none of the drywall touches the other drywall. You put acoustic caulk in between those. And then, uh, so that would be your inside. And then you would tape and mud as usual and move forward. Carpet on the floor, hopefully, guys, right? You have something that's uh, going to keep your floor from reflecting upward. And then um, on the outside, uh, a layer of 5.8 drywall, again, same as done inside, um, and then acoustic caulk, 
uh, all the way along the bottom in between the seams. But here's the important part. Now you're using green glue, uh, two tubes of that per four by eight sheet, and you're attaching those to the second layer. And what that does is, and by the way, it's spread out like, uh, you know, guys, when we were kids, we'd play with slime. It looks like that, yep. like the green <laughs> slime, but it's in a tube. So you just, you know, just get it all over in a pattern, put it up, screw it in. And what that does is that pressure of screwing it down spreads out this, uh, this layer of, of green glue um, in between the two sheets. And that membrane, for lack of a better way to put it, never quite gets solid. Okay. Mm. It cures over time, but it remains relatively pliable. So if we go back to thinking about the catcher's mitt thing, if this, if this vibration is, is hitting this one diaphragm and it's trying to get to the, to the secondary, uh, well, it's got, a, it's got two problems here. One is you've got mass, right? Two layers of 5.8 drywalls. Like I said earlier, mass is part of the conversation. But this first surface is trying to vibrate against this, this adjoining surface, and it's not doing a very good job of it because it has this gel coat between it. And yeah. that gel coat, the green glue, is absorbing that vibration. So now whatever makes it through that now needs to make it through the Roxel insulation, which is not an easy job, yeah. right? which is what I made the DIY panels, that video. That's exactly how I make those. Uh, and then it needs to go through a third layer of 5.8 drywall. Yeah. Right. Which if you do it correctly, it's just kind of like a, look, it's not going to happen conversation. I, yeah. I literally, we joke, we jokingly, when my, when my two girls, I have 16 and 17 year old girls down here, uh, Madeline and Olivia, and we joke about like, uh, you know, if anyone's ever mad or crazy or whatever, you just want to rip, go into the booth because no <laughs> one's going to hear you. Yeah. You know, I hate to say this, but you could, and I'm not the next Ted Bundy, but you could kill <laughs> someone in my booth and no one would have any clue. Just as long as you put yeah. some plastic up. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but those are the, those are the major differences. But one, one really big difference that a lot of people aren't aware of is it's a lot cheaper with some know-how to build a custom booth than it is to buy your typical brand new high-end modular booth and it'll do a much, much better job. Yeah. So, and, and, got, and for any manufacturers who aren't listening right now, we had that conversation <laughs> last time, but you've grown since then, Jamie. So who knows? Uh, I think your products are great. This is just a conversation. <laughs> this is just a conversation. And I'm glad that you offer them because some people yeah. have to do it. But, but the reality is, is that at the end of the day, if you want something done right, do it yourself. And if you're renting, you have no option to do that. Anyway. Yeah, and you so don't you have, have an, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you might be moving in six months or, right. from the house that you own to a new house. And, you know, it depends on your situation. But hopefully that answers your question on the difference between the two. Yeah, no, that's great. Tim, and, real, real yeah. quick, I want to jump on something you said there. And I, I just want to want to clarify a little bit based on something I saw online earlier this week. And uh, that is that it can certainly be cheaper to... DIY it than mm -hmm. than buy one of these modular ones. That doesn't mean it's going to be cheap. That doesn't mean you can skate by for three hundred bucks and build yourself a soundproof yeah, enclosure. Yeah, which okay, is yeah, really good point. So let me define what that means. All right, I spent fifteen hundred dollars in materials to build my booth and the one here that I have at my home studio, and it is about four feet wide and it's about uh, nine and a half feet deep. Okay, maybe four and a half feet wide by nine and a half feet deep. Um, and it cost me about $1,500 in material and it was all DIY. I did all the work. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, if you have someone in your life who can help you with that, you know, awesome. But that's basically what you're going to be looking at for material costs and hiring a contractor, 
Uh, I've seen people get it done for like right around $3,500 to get a really nice booth. Um, and as we all know, you can easily pay twice that for the same size booth. So when we talk about uh, affordability or whatever, I'm glad you brought that up, Emmett, because yeah, you don't want to have the conversation and then people thinking they can walk away to, and build something uh, for 300 bucks. But there are things you can do for free yeah nudge 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 <laughs> yeah yeah segue segue yeah exactly and and i'm glad you brought that up Emmett, as well because um now i want to go to the other extreme and talk about the super cheap options here and things that maybe do and maybe don't work so let's start off and talk about the foam ball are people aware of what I'm talking about here? The uh, it's like the a volleyball. It's like a volleyball that's been like hollowed out, and you put a microphone in it. Before we go in there, the reason I'm bringing this up is that if you don't have a ton of money, if you are renting, if you're in somewhere where you can't construct anything or set up a booth, you've got to look at other alternatives. So there are plenty of products on the market that that purport to do what. <laughs> this booth that Tim was explaining do, but for a fraction of the price and in the super convenient fashion. So Emmett, why don't you explain what it is and then why it's rubbish? Right. So there, there, are, uh, there are several of these, these balls. There's, uh, you know, there's sort of the original, which I, I think goes for about 200 bucks. And then there are some knockoffs that, uh, that people say work just as well for about $30, I think. And, uh, and that statement is true because neither one of them works at all. And, People will try to DIY that too and build themselves something that's small and absorptive that uh, that goes around their mic, mm. and that kind of brings up an, an important point that there are a lot of things with acoustics that seem like they should make sense. They they seem logical, and they just don't work at all. Uh, and a lot of things with acoustics in general, and I, I think that's true of of isolation and absorption as well. They just don't follow what what maybe basic logic would tell you would be the case that yeah. as you would visualize it in your mind, and the reason for that, without getting too overly technical, is we tend we tend to think in terms of geometrical acoustics, um, and that's a it's a good way to get down the basics of how sound bounces around in a space, um, but acoustics aren't solely geometrical they don't they don't operate in two dimensional it's not a a laser beam shooting out in one direction it's, it's a sound wave is uh, it's got a, a spherical wave front and and it it diverges from a point source so it's yeah. it's going in all directions it's reflecting in all directions and so that that kind of changes the logic of it when you think of it in that in that term and the the fact that it's not a straight line and you're not speaking in a straight line. Um, the reason these products don't work is because of the principle that microphones work on. And that is, uh, we're talking directional microphones here, um, cardioid mics, mics that pick up primarily from the front and very little from the back. The reason they work is precisely because they pick up sound from the back. They pick up noise from the back. And that noise coming in the back is used to cancel out that same noise that's being picked up from the front. So if you don't want to you don't want to hear something, you face the back of the mic at it. It's not that the mic isn't picking up that sound. It's exactly the opposite. It is picking up that sound. It's picking it up from 
two different directions. And when those waves collide at the diaphragm, they freeze it so it can't vibrate and you have cancellation. The, uh, the mic doesn't pick it up effectively. You know, yeah. Even though the sound waves are meeting the diaphragm, there's no electricity generated from it. There's no signal. Yeah. When you block the back of it with something like a ball that you stuff your mic into, you're defeating that purpose. And when you block the back of a directional capsule, what happens is that capsule becomes omnidirectional. It picks up from all directions because the sound will come around the ball or whatever it's encased in. And because it's spherical and and because of diffraction, that sound is going to make its way back into the diaphragm from the front. So you can actually make a mic pick up more noise by putting it in something that you think will block the noise, yeah. like one of these one of these balls or one of the uh, the do-it-yourself projects, whatever the case is. It will actually pick up more noise, not less, by doing so, and so that makes them just pretty much complete nonsense. Besides that, because mics are directional, they're picking up from the front. Really, where you want the treatment is behind you, kind of behind your head is going to be the sweet spot to pick up the most reflections, not behind the mic. The mic isn't, uh, isn't the thing that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just capturing the direct sound from you and everything kind of behind you into your immediate left and right, not the stuff behind it. It's already blocking that stuff out. It's already canceling that stuff out. I think you've pretty much explained why those foam balls aren't ideal. What about what about the wraparound screens that you can well, buy? Well, before that? we get to that, I just, I just switched to one um, and threw this uh, cardioid inside one of these. And oh. <laughs> as you can hear, um, I sound a lot better without it. Yeah. Than, yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to give you guys a live uh, sample. So there you go. So I'm going to change back to my other mic. Emmett, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the the screens, the ones that that go in behind the mic, I have kind of mixed feelings on those. Yeah. Um, because the the original is the uh, the SE reflection filter. They yeah. they made the first one of these, and it's actually a really well designed product. Mm. Um, if you understand its purpose. Uh, so it wraps around the mic, but there is some space between the mic and that filter. Yeah. So the rear cancellation effect still works um, to some significant degree. And, uh, and what gets blocked are kind of upper mid-range and, and high-frequency sounds, and it kind of blocks those out. So where it becomes useful is in a situation where there is a specific point source you want to block out. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen them work really well for knocking out noise for a band that wants to work in the same room. Yeah. Uh, the singer wants to be in the same room as the guitarist, and it kind of acts as a baffle. And in that kind of scenario, to provide a little more separation so you get a little less mic bleed, they can work pretty well. Um, if you happen to put it directly between, say, the sound of a, a computer humming, uh, you know, a computer hard drive or fan, I mean, you put it right there in between that and the mic. You can kind of block that kind of noise out. Um, and they are absorptive, and yet they're not right on top of the mic, so they can they can sort of manipulate the the reflections just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but it is by no means a replacement for any kind of real acoustic treatment. It's it's more of a a supplement type thing that works in very limited situations. 
when it works in those situations, it works well, but it shouldn't really be on anybody's wish list to try to solve a problem. Yeah, and they were intended for music as well, rather than voiceover. That was that was their intention to help right. with a little bit of isolation, or even e-learning. If someone is you know viewing a screen and they're trying to, I mean, I've I've seen that. Uh, yeah, people will use it to block the computer fan, and it works relatively well. But I recently had a client, um, Leia. Shout out, what's up? <laughs> uh, and um, she had one, had bought one of those, and it was it wasn't cheap, guys. Yeah. Right? So we got that out of there. Uh, it was a lot easier um, to, to fix. The, the mic being inside and behind that thing was not helping either inside the booth. So that's another thing. But this is one of the things that really drives me crazy is the idea that, you know, people um, grab these shields and people sell them as the studio solution um, and, and the balls and all the other stuff. And then you just end up with, you know, money in the in the toilet and a bunch of upset people. So... Yeah, yeah, I agree. Is there something to be said for those screens that the energy from your voice directly as it comes out of your mouth before it hits the walls of the environment that you're in is somewhat absorbed a little bit? Yes. Which reduces the acoustic effect in yes, the Yes, I've done te- I've done testing on that and that is true, but the thing is is don't forget the rest of the the screen is open. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So if your if your room is reflective, then all we're really going to be hearing for anyone who knows about uh, reverb is we're going to be hearing less early reflections and just more of the later reflections. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. All right. Now I'm going up the sort of cheap options in price and construction methods, <laughs> I suppose. Sure. Um, so let's, <laughs> the next thing in my list is head in box. That's how I've described it. Mm-hmm. So there are a few products out there where you can put your whole head and your microphone in a box that's somehow suspended on a mic stand or lighting stand or something. Um, what about those products? I can. Sp- I don't know if you can speak directly to it, Emmett, but I can because I've dealt with them. Have you? Uh, a little bit, enough to have heard some samples and stuff like that. I have not worked with one in person, at least not uh, not the the one that's about a thousand bucks and sits on a stand. Yeah. yeah. So that's the one that I have dealt with. Yeah. And the problem there is that they're using a very thick um, foam inside of the box. And look, if you're a singer and you want isolation and you're going to have a music bed under there with you, you'll be okay. Uh, Same with the foam balls. I mean, that was their original intent anyway, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes to voiceover, voiceover is the golden standard. It's just the reality of the situation. Um, When it comes to uh, how quiet your space needs to be or how acceptable your audio is or how clean it is, right? So since it is the gold standard, um, when we have things that get closer to us where the materials around us are not doing a very good job of absorbing those frequencies and it gets worse and worse the lower your voice is, um, then you're just going to sound very, you know, I mean, I can bring this up here and make myself sound a whole lot more, you know, <laughs> boxy, <laughs> boxy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, um, but look, I mean, you're in a box, you know, and, and, um, I'd rather voice in a car than in one of those, and which yeah. I have, I've, I've driven three miles away to a remote area and, uh, voiced a commercial, sent it off, um, through, uh, through my, uh, what do you call Wi-Fi connection through my Mac and, uh, said, we good. They said, perfect. So, yeah. and yeah. that's on my shotgun mic. So there are lots of ways to do that. I suppose that's what we're talking about now, but I'm glad that you brought that one up specifically because, um, that's a lot of money to spend. It is. 
Emmett, what what is your opinion on the sort of the physics of it? Um, you know, I'm gonna because I haven't worked with one. I I, I want to steer a little bit clear of of the physics, but I'll, I'll I'll tell you the scenario that I heard where they kind of make a little bit of sense to me, and that is someone who has say a 300 square foot studio apartment in New York City, and there truly is no other option. They don't have a car. They yeah. uh, they don't have the room to to build a booth. They really can't treat the space in any meaningful way. In those situations, I guess I can I, I guess I can kind of get behind it if this is something they really want to do. Yeah. Um, but that that just seems like a really limited customer to me. Yeah. Um, maybe there are more than I think. Uh, I don't know, but um, but uh, as far as the sound of it the walls of that space are still really really close to that mic yeah. and and anytime you're you're that compact you're going to have a you're going to have a problem you know ideally you get away from the walls you stay out of the center of the room you uh you give yourself some space you give your mic some space and everything works better yeah yeah, yeah can i sense. can i take a shot at the physics oh part yeah of it real please quick? yes so the only product that I that I really endorse um, is something called Vomo, which is a, a VO Mobile. I think it's made by VocalBoothToGo.com. Okay, um, I own the unit myself, and I've used the unit myself. Um, the producers' uh, choice sound blankets are great. Um, the owner Jeff has gone through huge pains to make sure that he has the best that he can get his hands on, and I've used this thing called the vomo it's got a hood well there's one version without the hood anyone listening if you're going to get a travel system don't get the one without the hood please you need the one that goes over the back of you as well this is the only one that i know of um and i know this because i took it into a bathroom at a hotel and i was testing out in the living room and then i was testing out in the bathroom and i forgot which part uh was the bathroom and i'm listening back i recorded on a uh, on an h6 hmm. at the time um and, you know, is it a little restrictive? Yeah, but I'm traveling. Like, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. Um, but I was listening to the bathroom samples and waiting to get to the bathroom samples and realized I was listening to the bathroom samples. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. And that, and that was kind of crazy. So I thought about it. So here's what's going on. So this low energy vibration is leaving uh, my mouth, right? And it's hitting these uh, blankets, but it's passing through. Now it's getting uh, out of this small little booth, it's hitting the environment around me. So therefore, the larger the environment, the better, because the more distance you have between you and the wall, as Emmett was talking about right now, because uh, sound can only go for so far and the, the low frequency along with it, right? So it has to hit that wall and come back, but then it has to make its way through the blankets again. Now, the difference between this and the and the $1,000 option we were talking about earlier is that the $1,000 option, uh, and I don't even know the name of the product, but it has foam inside of it, and it's not allowing the base frequencies to escape through the blankets, okay? And because of that, those are staying inside, and you're getting that woo 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 sound. Yeah. But with the Vomo, uh, it's actually pretty clever. Now, look, it's not perfect. No, no travel system will be until we figure out how to do the Bose version of noise cancellation for microphones, and maybe yeah. we'll get there someday. But in the meantime... There's some really great options, and that's one of them. All right. Um, now, also on the on the free side of things, uh, I was talking about the SIP tent, which Joe Cipriano does. Mm. Um, guys, when he's in a hotel room, and let me touch on something real quick, by the way. When I am traveling, and I and I know I might be voicing on the road, I call the hotel and I say, 
Hey, do you have anything on the end cap away from the freeway? Yes, great. Uh, do you have a floor without, and that's because I don't want two neighbors, right? I only want one and I want to be away from the freeway, the main yeah. uh, noisemaker. Great. Any elevators or ice machines on that floor? Yeah, but we have the same thing on the third floor without that. Great. Can I have that? Right. So you're, you're basically setting yourself up to succeed. First, yeah. All right. But here's what Joe does. Um, he takes uh, the, the desk that's in the hotel room and he puts a blanket over the top of it or two of them. And then he takes an ironing board and he opens that up and puts that on top of the table. All right. So then he takes a duvet and throws it over the back. So the wall in front of him is covered. The top of the ironing board is covered and you know where this is going. He's going to throw it over himself at some point, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes he doesn't even do that if the environment is quiet enough. But then he puts pillows, nice soft pillows on the right and left side of him where the uh, the legs are. And he creates this tent out of this ironing board. And he's got a MacBook Air that he puts in there with his Apollo and his 416 and he voices. And I listened to him do this uh, in at VO Atlanta like a couple years ago. He, he needed to rush out of a session and go and do it. And sure enough, man, you know, he did three different spots. I think it was like a Star Wars promo, a Disney thing and something for Kiss <laughs> FM. And he asked, how's it sound, guys? And they go, great as usual, Joe. <laughs> yeah. So take take from that what you will. Well, actually, you know? what I'll take from that is the the next one up on uh, the, the list that I've got here is a PVC frame covered in blankets, which essentially yes. is what Joe did in the hotel room, but a slightly more permanent solution. Um, so you're not going to get any isolation for that from that, but a lot of people have had some decent success um, creating something like that. So you can create a frame with PVC, you can get a, you know, Home Depot or Lowe's or someone like that, and throw a load of either produces choice blankets which are specifically for acoustic uh, applications or even just duvets and um, moving blankets and stuff like that so yeah. what about those solutions so what tim was mentioning earlier about the uh, the vomo i was sort of saving that uh, that line of stuff for the the tents the the pvc booths and mm -hmm. why they work and it's uh it's a pretty simple concept and it's sort of a happy accident that it works at all with such a simple thing uh, yeah. but it does work really well and um, i have heard plenty of these things uh, if you if you take the time to use the right material a nice heavy absorbent material like the producer's choice blankets and and really surround yourself i I think many times they sound better than commercial booths than the uh, the yeah. modular booths. They they have a better tonal quality to them for that reason. You know, the human voice doesn't have a whole lot of low frequency energy, and if you if you put that sort of out in a room where there's room for that sound to go right through the blankets and and uh, and spread out and lose all of its energy before coming back, that works just as well or better than a bunch of bass trapping in a small, tightly, tightly enclosed, dense space around you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, and I, I wanted to touch on vo vocal booth to go specifically real quickly. Um, I think a lot of people look at those products and because they're not as sleek looking as some of the balls and the, that thing that sits on the pole, they, you know, they don't have quite the, the pizzazz to the, to the appearance and the marketing, I think people discount them and they really shouldn't because for everything that I can tell, everything that I've looked at on there, um, everything is on the up and up. They, they are what they describe. They work the way they describe. And I, I just, I think that is 
a really good place for people who are on a budget, who are maybe less concerned with the uh, the aesthetics than someone who would would build their own booth. That's a really good place for them to go and and pick up something that's just going to work well for them. Yeah. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. You really did. I was going to uh, I've said that many, many times. I'm at echoed the same exact thing. People who have built these PVC booths who, again, are in relatively quiet areas, uh, but they they do they do isolate you to a certain degree because those blankets are really, really good. Um, so they can cut out right around 10 dB, the testing that's been done on them. So uh, for anyone who wants the math on that, just go online and check it out, uh, what that means. But um, 10 dB is, is a considerable amount, right? So if your noise floor were 54 and you managed to get it, well, I mean, that's let's say it was 44 and you managed to get it down to 54, then it's somewhat manageable with a good effect stack, right? But the quality of sound, this is what's so funny about it, is because, again, your voice is allowed to travel through the blankets. There's no hard surface. It has to go out into the space. And the more things you have out there, like carpet and and uh, soft furniture, like couches, those are all absorbing that that low energy frequency as well. And then it has to make it back into the booth. So on many, many, many occasions that I've worked with people who don't have any other option other than to build a PVC booth, they actually sound better than commercial booths with two-inch foam. Yeah, in them, it, it's it's incredible. Yeah, and so um, have you? Do you guys are? Do you work with vocalboothtogo.com at all? Do you guys, uh, Jamie, have you worked with them to offer a discount code or anything like that? I haven't yet. <laughs> um, I actually tried one of their Vocal Booth to Go products. Actually, huh. it was either I'm trying to think where it was. It was either at a conference or I think it was at AES. Um, but I was on the show floor, you know, where it's bloody noisy, incredibly noisy, these places. And I just dunked my head inside and I was pretty surprised at how well, not only acoustically speaking, but it actually was isolating from the, the outside fairly well too. Um, yeah. I was surprised. What about you, Emmett? Do you have any sort of discount code? And there's, there's, I'm going somewhere with this. I, I don't. Um, I, I actually uh, haven't even been familiar with the company for that long. Okay. Um, it's, it's something I, I sort of uh, um, just passed over for a while as somebody building a PVC booth that anybody could build. And I have since found that that's not quite the case. It's it's a little yeah. more elegant and, and there's a lot more science involved than that, even yeah. though that's not a terrible option to to do it yourself. Yeah. This is a, a step better for sure. Yeah, it is. So the reason that I asked is because I, I initially reached out to them because I was really impressed by their products and I wanted to start doing a PVC type of design, which they actually took the reins on that and they've, they're actually starting to develop videos around it. But anyway, I got to know them a bit. I really love their products. I bought the Vomo. I was really impressed by that. And while I'm getting uh, to know them, they offered me uh, a discount code that I can give to people. So is it cool if I mention that now, Jamie? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so it's VO Tech Guru, the minus symbol, and then five, but the numeral five, okay? So VO Tech Guru, the minus symbol, and then five, numeral five. And that'll save you 5% on anything that you buy from them. So All right, brilliant. Anyway, but and, I, and, by the way, and, and, I don't endorse anything that I don't use myself, so you know, take in, that for what it's worth. In their stable, they've got one that's, uh, that's got mass loaded vinyl in it, right? That yeah, really we, yeah. attenuates some outside noise. That was the booth that we used for the test in the amphitheater when I gave that presentation on acoustics. Mm. And I helped them put that thing together. And um, it's a beast. 
I mean, it it reminds me of a of a bulletproof vest times two, but <laughs> surrounding you entirely. And then they put and then they put blankets on the inside. Uh, but it's not an inexpensive option, guys. All right. I've they also have light frame stuff like uh three by six booths, um, and they have three by threes um that work really well. So they're all, if you go to their website, they have all and look at portable booths and, and regular booths, you'll get an idea of what they all do. But for those of you who don't want to do the um the PVC thing, I think usually by the time you're done buying the PVC and putting the blankets on, you're somewhere around the three hundred dollar range. So that is that $300 solution now that I'm right. thinking about it. Yeah. They were talking yeah. about earlier, but you don't get the isolation, right? Uh, but uh, they also have a light frame aluminum thing that packs up real nice and you can, you know, take it all over the place. So, you know, it, anyway, player's choice, really good products. Uh, is it, it the be all, you know, the end all be all? No, but no, nothing is unless you're building a fully, you know, custom booth yourself. That's the only time I've ever seen absolute noise mitigation. Frankly, after all this time talking about VO Booth to go, those guys should definitely send me one for free. Yeah, <laughs> this Jeff, is a lot of promo. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, hook up, hook up our boy. Uh, send him a Vomo, man. Yeah, he'll, uh, he'll like it, man. So yeah, I'm getting FOMO for Vomo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know where to file that one. I just can't process it. Man. I know. Yeah, you That's guys have got to. My wife has to deal with my crappy jokes. Now I'm passing uh, it on I to you guys. Okay. Um, so I think the final scenario that I've got here that um, a lot of people do is they fit out a closet or some kind of little space they have in their home. Um, so what are the benefits and drawbacks of that? It's an already sort of smaller space, sort of booth-like. What do you guys think about that? Same thing. You got you got to be aware of the dimensions. Uh, clothes do a really great job of absorbing sound. Um, you got to have carpet on the floor. Okay, yeah. you got to cover your door. A lot of people make that mistake. They they just go inside the closet and they don't cover the door uh, with with some sort of acoustic material. Um, but that's not really the biggest issues with closets, in my experience. We've heard plenty of commercials, promos, and so on from closets. I work with these people all the time. But a lot of people that I work with, unfortunately, have a closet that backs up to a, a refrigerator yep. okay? yeah, or something like that. And now we're talking about, you know, post-processing with RX elements, which is great, but you can only take that stuff so far. Right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have dogs and kids and all sorts of things in the house. So, again, it depends. But that's what I have to say about closets. It all applies across the board, no matter where I you are. I would say the biggest advantage to a closet is that you can try it for precisely zero dollars. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, you can set up your mic in there and you can try it out and you can see how it works for you. You know, there's there's no hassle and you know, that's the big selling point of starting with a closet is you can dip your toe in without any kind of investment. And so if you're if you're curious, if you're just getting started on acoustics, that's a good way to even just learn how different spaces react with your voice and your mic, um, starting by walking into your closet and seeing what can be done in there. And let's be honest, if you have a closet, it's full of crap. So it's probably going to acoustically be a fairly good starting point already by being full of stuff, full of clothing, full of stuff on shelves and what have you, um, which is already a good way of breaking down sound waves and reflections in the room. Yeah, yeah, the best I, sounding I, closets are the ones that the people don't prep before taking their mic in there. They just right. carry them in there as is, and they 
they tend to sound pretty good. They go downhill when people try to make it into more of a, a professional type setting. It, exactly. it goes downhill. Yeah. Anyone listening right now should probably just uh, talk to yourself as you walk towards your closet from your room into your closet full of clothes and, and notice the difference. Yeah. Uh, take your iPhone with you or your Android, whatever your, your poison is, and record into it while you're speaking and hold it maybe a foot away from you would be fair. And then walk from your room into your closet and listen to the difference that having all those clothes and all of this stuff, you've talked about this before, Jamie, where you have just all sorts of different things in there that yep. diffuse the sound, right? And and notice the difference. It, it will be significant. It should be significant if, if it's loaded with clothes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're running out of time here, so I want to quickly get to a few different hypotheticals here, various different budgets and scenarios. So let's go basic. Let's start out. If someone's listening to this, they, they're living in a studio apartment with essentially bare walls, and they have zero budget, but they just want to get going. They want something that's possible. Let's, let's say they have a hundred bucks to spend. What can they do to start off with? Okay. Get a couple hundred more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would say that's headed in the direction of like the PVC booth. Would you agree, Tim? Yes, I would. But I also want a little caveat here. I've turned people away who weren't ready to voice yet. Right. Okay. They needed coaching. So that's something that needs to be thought about. I don't want anyone just out there listening saying, oh, hey, I'm going to go deal with this right away and not focus on what's even more important, which is mm -hmm. learning how to voice. Yeah. Okay. Because you could spend, and we've seen this, right? People go out and spend $10,000 on a mic and a booth and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. And they just, <laughs> the equipment doesn't support the talent, right? So getting coaching and learning how to voice, that's number one. So if you have $100, but you're not sure about the voiceover business, maybe get another 50 more and hire a coach to give you an evaluation. Yeah. Okay. And then move forward <laughs> with, right. with building a studio. So just a little caveat there. But yeah, Emmett, I absolutely agree. Get a couple hundred dollars more, build something. Um, and, and, and on that note, by the way, for you guys out there who are voicing on the regular, um, I, I posted this in, in a Facebook group not too long ago, caught a little bit of flack, but most of it was supported. And that is when you're marketing yourself, um, this, the concept of home studio, that's kind of gone away now, right? Because a lot of the brick and mortar stuff is just, they're burned out. They're no longer in business. And the expectations for us uh, at home with our own personal pro studios have risen a great deal. So home studio could mean anything from a full-blown pro studio to a microphone in a corner, okay? Mm. So when you do reach that level where you're set with, with, you know, whoever you're working with, you've got your acoustics, the sound, you know, is no longer an issue. You're on mic correctly. Your levels are, are good. Uh, you're now a pro. You now have a personal pro studio, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's what I have to say about that little tip for you. Because the home, it just brings up some imagery that's kind of like, mm. Yeah. So no, I, for I anyone who disagrees agree. with me on getting myself in trouble and getting comments, so, <laughs> sorry, that's my opinion. We could use a bit of controversy on this podcast. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. What's the next step up then um, from that? Are we talking about constructing something if that's possible or purchasing something or fitting out a space that already exists? What What's the budget for, for those kind of things? You, we talked about it earlier. You said you can buy materials for about, say, 1500 bucks to actually yeah. construct something, but then you've got to pay someone to put it all together. Or if you're lucky, you know someone who can do it. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's not really the next step, though, right? Um, the next step, I would say, would be a closet from there. Oh, okay. Yeah, if they yeah. had a closet, yeah. Uh, I would say PVC booth, then closet um, with, with blankets on the walls, but okay, like full-blown, because they, they do help reduce a lot of the sound. I've, I've ran that test many, many times. Uh, then when you're ready to um, uh, come out of the closet, so to speak, <laughs> Uh, you're, well, you want a controversy. Uh, yeah. So anyway, when you're, when you're ready to get out of the closet and get into a booth situation, then you are probably talking about either a professional modular booth that you put together, or you're talking about building your own custom booth, but it's, and I hate, I hate, I hate it when people say it depends, but I have to say it in this scenario because it depends. Do you live yeah. on a noisy street? Do you live under a flight path? Do you, you know, what's your situation? Um, but in all cases, you need to ask yourself this question. Are you in a position to, and is your intent to do what I call kill it? That's the first question that I always ask people when they contact me. What are you looking to do? Mm. Is this a hobby? You know, no, I'm looking to kill it. Okay, great. Send me a sample. Let me hear your demo. Then I know what I'm working with. All right. And then I said, look, since you're taking this seriously, you need to, you need to go in. You live in the middle of New York, you know, you're trying to do this PVC booth right next to a window on, you know, Broadway and 97th. It's not going to work out for you. Yeah, well, that was the next thing I was going to ask, actually, you know, in terms of sound isolation at that point, then we're talking about, you know, either investing in a serious booth, which is costly, especially if yeah. you're in in that apartment in New York where it's noisy. And I've trust me, I've been there. Yeah. Um or maybe moving, unfortunately, if you live above Move the subway. Move to Westchester. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But yeah. Jamie, you're also in a position where you've landed jobs that could help pay for a big chunk of that booth. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, so it's all relative. I mean, right. everyone on this call is has been in that position. Yeah. You know, you land that one job and it's like, okay, well, now it's time to up my game. And you, yeah. and you buy, and that's always the game, right? Is you should always be looking to improve. Whether, let's say you've maxed out on equipment in your space. Well, now it's time to get more coaching. Right. I mean, that's the name of the game is you're always trying to improve. But keep that in mind, like what level of jobs are you going for relative to the amount of money that you're spending? Are you someone who's already spent a lot of time on the other side of the glass? And, you know, for a fact, because you've worked for so many, you know, global brands that you're going to continue to do that. You just need to take care of the tech side. Then I'd say invest. Yeah. And it also depends whether you're the type of talent that is just auditioning from home and then booking in studios, or if you're doing everything from home, which is more and more the case these days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that's obviously more critical. Also, if you do a lot of live sessions, sound intrusion is going to be a bigger issue because mm -hmm. they're going to be listening, directing live. If you're on your own and someone, a truck pulls up and is idling for 10 minutes, you can, you can wait and deliver the file 10 minutes later. Um, so that, that affects things as well. Um, yeah, and I, I think the, uh, the type of work that you do has a, a huge impact on, on that as well. Uh, yeah. Commercial tends to pay very well. Even now, while it's not paying as well, it still pays really well. Yeah. Uh, versus someone who does uh, primarily e-learning, they're going to have to do a lot more jobs to do the same as one big commercial. Um, and typically, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but my my understanding is that the e-learning client probably isn't going to be quite so particular about all the the very fine points. They just they want it to be good enough, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. 
And the same can be said in a couple of different areas um, as well. But, but promo and commercial, um, it used to be because audiobooks kind of first hit the, the mainstream, right? And so a noise floor of minus 60 was the, was the gold standard, right? But now we're seeing in post-processing when, you know, for instance, I'm setting up a rack for someone where we're dumping their noise floor down to the 80s, you know, and so 60 doesn't really mean much anymore. And yeah. in, and with more and more, uh, you know, home pro studios, as I was saying earlier before, so we, so we can make the distinction, um, minus 60 to me is like, no, nah, we got to get you lower, buddy. That's yeah. just the reality of the situation because commercial and promo expectations have gone way up since the brick and mortar uh, studios have been just going away over time. And if you're not in a major metropolitan area, the chances of you finding a dedicated voiceover studio are next to none. Yeah, and if you do have uh, noise floor issues, there is post-processing that you can do that will help things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you um, roll off the low end to filter that out and then use that. And guys, we've been on the call when we used RX and we saw the EQ print state remain exactly the same. So, you know, there is a way to do it, but you shouldn't lean on it. No. You should, you you know, I'm a, I'm a heavy lifter up front kind of guy and you should get, do everything that you can up front. But there are too many people at this point because the plugins are getting so good yeah. that it's scary. And, but people are pushing them too hard and they're telling the computer, Hey, here's what noise is. And I want you to really go after it aggressively. And so it says, oh, okay, that's noise. Well, that's frequency X, Y, and Z. So I'm also going to remove those frequencies from your voice. Yeah. And then it doesn't sound very good. So yeah, but, but it's available. It's out there. And if you set it up correctly, it can be, an, it can be amazing. Well, yeah. yeah, it seems like the, the better the, the software gets, the more relaxed people get about <laughs> the noise and stuff like that. And that's unfortunate because like Isotope RX is just, amazing where they've yeah. taken that product is unbelievable yeah but it's it still works best if you're cleaning up something that doesn't really need to be cleaned up in the first place yeah yeah that's that's a really great point a really great point it at that point it just serves to get your your noise floor even lower so i've worked with people who have a noise floor of minus 72 uh, but hey, it's not hurting anything, so let's dump it down to ninety-two. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> why, at why that not? point, I mean, at that point, I mean, digital black is acceptable to me. Oh well, yeah, absolutely, because you can't hear the trigger point, yeah. right? You can't hear it at the end of the voice, and you can't hear it at the beginning of what they're saying. And if you can't hear it, and it's just dead space, then yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into. <laughs> production and post-processing and things in another episode. I know we've got to wrap things up because it's getting late here. I have two real quick things to talk about. Very, very quick. First thing's experimentation. Let's talk about experimentation. And then the second thing, which we'll get to in a second, is we alluded to it earlier, is sending audio to someone else to get their assessment of it. Um, so first of all, let's talk about the importance of experimentation with all this stuff. Um it can be uh, it can be a dangerous thing if you if you go in with any kind of bias and mm -hmm. uh, by all means experiment but accept the data that you get back from that experiment if you do something don't try to convince yourself that it sounds good if you stick a mic in your closet like i was talking about earlier there's no harm in doing that there's no cost in doing that but if it doesn't sound good don't try to convince yourself that it sounds okay yeah. if you buy a ball and stuff your mic in there 
don't go around telling people how much better it makes it sounds because all of us who know better know that you're full of crap. Uh, really accept what you get if you're doing experiments, but there's no harm in doing it. I wouldn't dump a ton of money into experimentation. I, I would say if you really want to learn that side of it, spend some money on on education rather than experimentation. But in in terms of of experimenting, if you're working with things around your home, by all means, try it out. It just accept the the data that you get, accept the answer that it gives you. Yeah. Yeah. And also compare your baselines, right? So mark what you did and when you did it. So you know what you're listening to. Hey, take a duvet, sit on your bed, set up a mic and throw the duvet over the top of you and try recording something. Yeah. See what, see what that sounds like. Go into your closet, try it there. See what that sounds like. Get further away from the mic so you can hear more of the room, get closer to the mic so you can hear less of the room, you know? I'm a huge believer in in getting into the what I call the VO sandbox and experimenting with, you know, whether it's like I'd say it to my students all the time. It's like, look, go crazy with the EQ, go crazy with the compression. I want you to really explore it so you can hear what's right and wrong, you know, swing that pendulum over there. And you should be doing the same thing with the various areas in your house along the lines of experimentation. A lot of people don't think about this. What actually is the quietest part of your house? Yeah. How would you know? So set your levels at X and walk around and hold your breath and stand still at any given point and then mark that down. Where is the right place for you to voice? Yeah. A little tip that I, when I was setting up this booth, I set up the microphone and it was, you know, had some stuff in it, but it wasn't treated and it wasn't set up acoustically. And I had a nursery rhyme or whatever it was that I said followed by exactly what had been set up. So uh, I brought something in, I put the phone behind the, on the, in the corner, and I said my nursery rhyme, and I said, bass trap in corner. And then I came in and I set something else up, and I did the same, and I was just putting things roughly where I thought they should go, uh, in front of me, behind me, I put a little cloud thing up above my head. Um, then I went and had dinner and came back later and listened to them all and determined which one was to my ears, the best sounding one. And it was just a strategic way of of working with the space that I had, in not a scientific way, purely an experimentation method that yielded the best results. So that's that's what worked for me. And but it is but it is very scientific. I mean Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I mean I wasn't exactly using, like a I wasn't lab using, experiment. Like yeah. the, the subject is Temperature is 103. I've injected 50. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. I guess I wasn't. I wasn't placing things in a scientific way, you know, in, in a way that was logical, I suppose. But Professor Muffet. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah. So you wanted to ask about experimenting, and then what was the last thing? And the final thing is the importance of having a, a second person, a second second set of ears that knows what they're talking about, listening to your results and uh, your audio. Um, I've been sent stuff and I'm sure this has been the case for you guys within a quarter of a second. I'm like, Oh, they're in the booth. <laughs> I can hear the yeah. booth. Oh yeah. I, I think the important part of that question, the, the, the important qualifier is that knows what they're talking about. Yeah. And there are quite a few people out there who, who know enough to be helpful. Um, you know, some people are, are really, really good and know tons about it. Some people just know enough to listen to it and say, that, that doesn't sound so good. It's noisy or, or I can hear some reflections. Other people will tell you exactly what they hear. You know, I, yeah. I 
I hear high frequency reflections. Have you got a computer monitor right in front of your face? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's always valuable to get extra ears on it. In fact, I, I occasionally bring you guys in to give me yeah. your take on something I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We all do. Yep. yep. I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think the 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 biggest kind of um, tripwire on this is that. So many people have things that work correctly for them. Mm. Okay. And so depending on their space or what kind of mic they're using or their, their audio chain might be front loaded. They might have a compressor and EQ going in and actually printing, you know, uh, into the, into the DAW, right. Uh, Adobe audition, twisted wave, et cetera. So they're not post-processing much. So they're answering the questions differently. Well, here's what I do. Well, with your voice, your mic, your setup might not be the right answer. It might be the exact opposite is true. Yeah. And so some people know just enough to be dangerous. And so the recommendation is to get a, a recommended professional who is is deeply knowledgeable and uh, is consistently doing that type of thing um, and send them a sample. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anybody... Anybody who's seen my studio knows that it's it's idiotic for voiceover. I mean, it, it really is. The amount of gear and stuff that I've got in here, the processing racks and stuff, it's, it's idiotic. And it's not something I would ever recommend for anyone else. And I think that that by itself puts me in a, in a good position to make recommendations for other people because I almost never recommend what I do because yeah. what I do is is not just satisfying what I need to do the job. It's also satisfying a hobby that I've had for many, many, many years. It's it's my hobby. I have fun with it. I I like getting super, super geeky. And that's not right for most people. That's not a good solution for most people. It's just fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm and I'm very rigid about it, right? So I take I take the other like what's going to work in every scenario type of approach because I kind of have to, I have a lot of people who, who come to me asking me to um, either build stacks for them or evaluate their audio. And I know you're, what is the information? The information is info at VOTechGuru.com. So we got that out of the way <laughs> if you want me to evaluate your audio, but um, and if you guys want to throw in, please do. But um, I, you know, I've heard so many different uh, spaces and types of voices and different mics. It's like the answer could be one of a thousand depending on your situation. So it's really important that you get someone who's in the know, who comes highly recommended and that you feel safe uh, uh, with about their answers and, yeah. and that they're knowledgeable and that you're going to be okay when they guide you down the path and that you'll be and that they'll leave uh, enough breadcrumbs for you so you'll be able to recreate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Real quick, I want to I want to throw out a few names uh, in addition to to Tim, who is excellent. Roy Okelson is is very good. George Whittem, um, I do a little of that stuff too. So, um, am I am I leaving anybody? I'm, I know I'm leaving some people out. Am I leaving anybody out that either of you can think of off the top of your head whose names we should throw out there as people who who do this, who who will help you sometimes for a fee, but will help you move things along. Yeah, I think you co you covered all the usual suspects. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. A slight tangent here, but we'll wrap it up. But uh, what's fascinating is when I have people to my uh, monthly workout here in Philly, we have a voiceover workout, I'll have seven or eight or a few more 
different people on my mic in my room, in my booth. And it's fascinating how the mic in the room work better or worse for some people. And I set it up to, to work relatively well for me. But I think some people come in and they sing on in that setup and other people yeah, sound okay, you know. Um, so I, I just wanted to make that point that, you know, your booth should be set up for you. And that's only one part of the the process, obviously, you've got your microphone and your processing and your interface and your conversion as well. Um, so it's, you know, anyone that gives these blanket statements that you need to be on this thing with this uh, microphone and, and this is how you treat anything. And uh, that's a warning sign that they don't necessarily know what they're talking about. So absolutely, when you're asking yeah. for information online, everyone should be asking questions of you and should be <laughs> like you were doing earlier, Tim offering a million different caveats to everything that they say um, because they're the people that tend to know what they're talking about. I look at it this way to wrap this up. If you're a groom and you're going to get, uh, going to go get your, your suit for your wedding, are you going to pull something off the rack or are you going to go and get it custom fitted? Yeah. Right. It's a really important date. And look guys, this is a job you're going to be married to. You need a custom fit. Yeah. Perfect ending. That's all I have yep. to say about that. All right. Fantastic. Right. We we ran on. I knew we would. <laughs> Once we get talking about this stuff, it, it, could, uh, it can go on for hours. You um, should know better than to bring the two of us in. I know. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> you did it again. I know. All right. So, Tim Tippett, uh, you, you explained how people can find you, but let's do it all over again. Where are you online? Uh, so you can go to VOTechGuru.com. I've got a lot of resources there. Um, you can go to um, YouTube, VOTechGuru, there. And uh, you can contact me at info at VOTechGuru.com. And, uh, oh, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it's under Tim Tippets, not VOTechGuru. So there you go. I'll be releasing a lot of stuff on there uh, in the very near future that will help you guys. Um, but yeah, that's right. my, that's my spiel. Brilliant. What about you, Emmett? All right. Um, buy my book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, it's, it's really uh, good. Yeah. It's available on Amazon. You can search for it under uh, VO studio companion or my name, Emmett Andrews, or go to emmettandrews.com. I don't actually have the cart set up there yet, but, uh, I'm working on some resources for talent on my website right now. And I'm, I'm hoping to launch that in the next couple of weeks. Right now, it's just my my voice oversight, but I'm going to have a four talent section in there. Um, oh, cool. And that's, that's the big thing for me right now. Buy my book, read it. There's good stuff in there for everybody at every level. Yeah. I Congrats, completely agree. Congrats on the book, man. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Superb. All right. Thank you both. Really appreciate that. Bye. Thank you to this week's guests. Thanks also to JMC demos and IPDTL who sponsor the show. Thanks to Backstage Magazine and a special shout out to Patreon super member Angus McLeod. We'll see you again next time.